welcome back to the QQ podcast episode. What's good? 24 is what we said. We still don't know if we skipped one. Probably very likely. Um, it is an episode. It sure is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm Becca. That's Ben. And we are joined once again because, That's of course, me. you read the episode title. It's We're joined with Shay Willard. Our good buddy. Our favorite co-host. Hello. Hello. Happy to be back. We're happy to have you. We'll jump right into updates. The reason Ben just laughed real hard with uh, the phrase sure is buddy is because we went to uh, Santa's Village this week. The three of us. Yeah, we did. And I don't know how many times, Mm -hmm. but you probably could have been very drunk at the amount of times the phrase sure is buddy or pal was said on that day. Don't know where it came from, don't know how it started, but it seems to be now the new catchphrase of this podcast. I like it. Um, I think we could also put that on a t-shirt. Sure is, buddy. Sure can, buddy. Sure can, buddy. (laughs) It's it's just a versatile phrase. Um, So other than the fact that we went to Santa's Village, which we will have a few different videos coming out with all of that fun, crazy content. How were were your weeks, friends? Shay, want to start? Sure. So uh, I finished my seven-week summer camp program this past week. Um, So I've worked for a summer camp in Maine for 15 years now. And um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And as you may have noticed, there's a pandemic happening right now. And so we weren't sure if we were going to open this summer, but we were lucky enough that we are a very small and a pretty new program so when the state released its requirements and we sort of talked ourselves about how can we do this safely we decided yes we can run a program this year and that involved me and 20 other people being uh at this campsite for seven weeks straight this summer so i didn't go 2,000 feet away from my bunk for seven weeks um yeah and it was amazing and i loved it and i didn't realize how badly i wanted to leave until i left (laughs) (laughs) get back to the real world yeah yeah exactly um and so now i am i'm back at civilization and um i have no idea what i'm going to do next (laughs) hopefully tomorrow i'm going to be getting this job offer that i thought i was getting thursday that i was thought i was getting friday hopefully tomorrow we'll see (laughs) all right let's go ben what about you um well, honestly, the highlight of my week was Santa's Village, mm-hmm. and they'll hear all about that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my week was pretty boring. Fair. Um, I went just today. Well, I mean, I had like a little mini vacation this week, so I got to go up to the lake house with a couple pals. Uh, then we went to Santa's Village, and then today I actually went to Benson's Park, which is formerly Benson's Animal Park. And it was a little zoo amusement park in Hudson, New Hampshire that we learned about at Santa's Village because the the Rudolph's Rudy, what is it? Rudy's Rapid Transit, which is their little roller coaster, actually came from Benson's Park. And I learned that we learned that at Santa's Village, and then it was reiterated when I was at Benson's when I was talking to the, the gift shop guy, which was pretty cool. So I am going to reach out to them, see if we can get involved over there and talk to some people that know the history of there and see if we can help out with revitalizing because that's what they're currently doing. They're trying to build a museum 
to talk about the history of it. So I think it'd be really cool if we could That's get cool. the, the brand involved as well of like promoting this, this cool history. So absolutely. Let's let's see see what happens. Pretty mm-hmm. good week overall for me. That's that's cool. And are we drinking anything? Anyone? Um, not at the moment. I I am such a bad <laughs> guest. Um, I didn't. Um, I'm in my father's office, and this it's is okay. next to me. It's... I think it's empty. It smells like there was Mountain Dew in there at some point. So I will be breathing <laughs> in old Mountain Dew. Don't drink it. <laughs> I. Uh, I guess I am the only true host on this podcast. I am drinking a blue moon today. But a uh, little nice. fun fact uh, that I learned when I was on tour that diesel fuel looks like Mountain Dew. And I don't know if that's good for Mountain Dew or diesel fuel. But things I, I learned on tour. I just assumed that Mountain Dew was diesel fuel. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I have not tasted diesel fuel, and nor do I have plans to. <laughs> well, probably shouldn't drink Mountain Dew. Sounds like that'd then. be a really interesting episode of Q2Q Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, make a diesel fuel. Make a rocket fuel drink. I could probably. We, I could probably put something together. Tomorrowland rocket fuel. Or Cars Land. Actually, next episode mm-hmm. of Cutie Cutie Kitchen. Oh, diesel yeah. fuel. Cars Land diesel fuel. Organic fuel. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Um. So shall we jump right into the news? Let's do it. Let's go. So the first story that I saw was that Disney Channel debuts their first openly bisexual character on the Owl House, and it's the character of Luz Noceda. I assume it's Noceda. I believe she is half Dominican, half American. Um, But I guess this, the Owl House is in its second season on Disney Channel, and I guess it was like a really big thing for the creator she was like i am bisexual i identify as like as bisexual and i want to like i wish there was more characters like this and i guess ex- certain executives and they didn't say who were like no absolutely not disney channel is a family channel and she was like yes and many bisexual family like many people have bisexuals in their family this is a family topic and the creator of gravity falls actually was like ecstatic that this was public knowledge now because he was like i wasn't allowed to and I'm so glad that you were because he wanted to push for it during Gravity Falls and Disney said no. So it's a win. Oh, well. well, you know what we always say at Q to Q. Let, Let them, them be gay. Be gay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let them be gay. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw this and this was, I, I know it for a fact that this was a direct competition of Universal's thing that they pulled out. Um, Disney unveiled a new resident ticket option, which is a two day ticket for $130, which is actually less than the cost of one single day base ticket. Um, It's valid through September 30th. So um, they also have a three and four day ticket option, which is $174 and 190 uh, per each. Um, And that one is valid through December 18th. And the tickets can be used on non-consecutive days, but they allow one gate entry per day. So you can only go to one park per day. Time to move to Florida. That's fascinating. Have fun, Ben. Just for that Non-consecutive. I like. I, I understand why they're doing that because they uh, actually. I guess I don't understand why they're doing that. Like, do they? Because they feel like they would want them to be consecutive because then it would encourage you to, you know, get a hotel and stay for a while. Or, or will non-consecutive days just encourage you to stay longer? I don't know. I believe it's it's more of a, a cheaper annual option of like if you live in Florida and you 
can't afford an annual pass, but you want to go to the parks frequently. I think it's more along those lines Mm -hmm. of like a family of four could not afford afford annual passes, but they can afford day trips to the park every now and then. And that's the option for them now because you can do if it's so for the the three and four day tickets valid from December, like until December 18th. So if the three of us went and we had these four day options, we could go any one day for four, four times, you know, Mm -hmm. seems more like a, like a coupon situation of like, I got a coupon to come in this day instead of an all access pass. Yeah. You become 80 years old collecting coupons. All right. Uh, Disney Plus Day Blue Day Blues. Yep. Day Blue. Uh, Disney Plus debuts The Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom, which gives viewers an inside look into the inner workings of the Animal Kingdom by National Geographic. Um, which is very exciting because I frequently like to watch mm-hmm. things like this when I'm like cooking things that are just like especially casually. Animal Kingdom. Yeah, cooking the animals while I'm watching them do. It's not what I meant. Okay. <laughs> you just love Animal Kingdom. <laughs> um, but I thought you were making a joke. Now I feel like the asshole. Nope. Um, but <laughs> they, the episodes that were included in the examples were uh, the Gorilla Falls Exploration Trail, the Harambe Wildlife Reserve, Kilimanjaro Safaris, which is going to be excited about that on one. repeat in my house, Discovery <laughs> Island, which I assume is the center of Animal Kingdom, not the abandoned zoo, but I would absolutely I watch so. a Discovery <laughs> Island National Geographic episode. Oh, um, yeah. Especially then, now. Right? Actually, I don't think it's there anymore because they started con- demolition for oh, they did, did they well, remember, for reflections, the, right? Around the beginning of the pandemic, some guy snuck out to Discovery Island to chill and got big. Wasn't that wasn't that news on the first episode we had you on? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Discovery Island is still there. River Country's gone. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I, I you might think yeah. of River Country. River Country is gone. Uh, in order to make way for the hotel that has most likely been canceled, but uh, Discovery Island, great, um, <laughs> is still there. <laughs> great. So maybe we'll it is. We'll never know. We'll have to watch <laughs> to find out if it is Discovery Island. I guess so. Um, then there's also episodes on Tiger Temple, and I really appreciate that they're also throwing in the seas with Nemo and friends. Um, mm. I I do like that because I know that the the special is supposed to be. Like, it's Disney's Animal Kingdom, as in, like, the kingdom of animals, not necessarily the park animals. Because they also make, I know that there is an episode at uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge as well, but it was not mentioned. Well, honestly, that might be, make it so that is Discovery Island, you know, the abandoned zoo. Highly doubt, but we'll see. (laughs) Hey, you never know. Um, In fun retrospective exciting news uh epcon pylons are back yeah that was that was awesome they look really good too that's yeah so good i'm sorry this has come up on my instagram several times now and i've had so much restraint not to make the obligatory starcraft joke you must construct additional (laughs) pylons love it I I, I, i type it every time and i never post it i there's something about like prisms that make me real happy I don't know. Rainbows, prisms, the way lights light reflects off of it. Like this picture, we'll post a picture, but the picture on the right here with like the view inside, like through it because it's glass 
like mm. it's beautiful i'm assuming it's not glass it's probably like some form of acrylic that is very strong but it looks like glass yeah yeah i hope that they do something with the prismatic elements of that like i don't know if it's an actual prism but it's, i still wonder if it creates cool light effects when you shine light through it so at night maybe they just blast things through it and just have cool patterns on the ground or something yeah that would be so cool i hope so i i believe this is also in the spot or very close to the um the fountain spot again because they're adding the fountain back into the entrance so um, okay i'm wondering if they'll do a like really cool pretty light show on the Epcot ball again with all of the elements and that'd be yeah. really, really cool. That would be super cool if they did like a mm -hmm. show onto the ball or onto the elements around it that is all with reflected light. So none of it is like direct projections or direct lights, but it's like, okay, we're gonna fire a light through this prism. We're gonna fire a light through this like chandelier thing over here. So it's like, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's an unusual, it's not your, you. it's not your average light show It'd be really cool right on. it would be bring a whole new meaning to reflections of earth uh, illuminations ooh, true. Uh, Rip. so my next lovely topic that's very quick uh universal studios closed closed sapphire falls and adventure as of uh i think it's the 18th they're closing um and there was no real reason given all of the guests who had booked there are um getting moved around and whatever actually like more of their hotels are closed than open now and the summer's not open i think royal pacific is it royal pacific isn't isn't open or hard rock one of the two that are like right on on property um i'm thinking it's just not a high demand um i think universal's audience right now is still mostly locals i know disney's is about 50 50 um but I'm, that's what I would assume. Just no high demand for it. Well, from what I've heard, in general, Universal's attendance is pretty down. So I'm sure they just, they're trying to cut costs wherever they can. Yeah, last week we reported that they closed like a bunch of their rides that weren't high demand. Yeah. Which sucks, but also is good because Fast and Furious is, is closed, so. <laughs> but at the, on the other. I'm okay with that one. Uh, Fury of Poseidon was closed, though. Okay. That's also true. The best ride in the park, except for maybe Cat in the Hat. But, like, uh, I just, I love Poseidon's, or Breath of, whatever, what is it, Poseidon's Fury? Uh, Poseidon's Fury, yeah. yeah. Um, other than the, the fact that the video needs to be updated, uh, <laughs> it's a great ride. Great, yeah. great experience. Um, I always, one of oh, my yes. goals... You know what, Ben? Go to Universal, and then you can know what we're talking Universal. about, all right? I'm a Universal but it's so fan. It's so cheap, Ben. Uh, ben, I'm probably going back to Florida on Tuesday. Come with me. We'll go to Universal together. On Tuesday? I'll have to work Tuesday. Okay, but I'll be there for probably at least a week, so come. Come with me. Let's go to Universal. <laughs> if I have next week off, then I will definitely. You can get the, the, the buy one day, get the rest of the year free. Easy peasy. Oh wow! There you um, go. I would. I would totally go. Oh my god! I miss it. <laughs> I miss it too. But then Florida's think, not a risk. The I'm problem is, to my take. job would make me quarantine for two weeks after. Oh yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, just take three weeks off then. Can't. <laughs> just there you go. Um, another thing that happened at Universal, uh, there was a fire back in a backstage area at Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure that caused the ride to ride to close, and it's still not open. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah. Um, there was a bunch of jokes on the passholder page about uh, blast-ended scroots getting out of control. Um, because there is, there's a blast-ended scroot on the ride, but but yeah, um, it's still close. Absolutely. Yeah. What'd you say, Shay? That's that's the drive of the ride, right? Is that the whole thing that you're going into the woods to see the blast-ended scroots? Oh no oh, idea. Oh, oh, you yeah. just yelled at me. <laughs> No, 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 yes, I... that was not a yell. That was, that was an exclamation of surprise. Um, um, uh, no, that's so you. The, the whole the whole story is that you you are going to class with Hagrid, and he is taking you into the Forbidden Forest to see the blast and its screws. And then you know, things go awry. But that's the that's cannot the wait. Yeah, I haven't been on the last time I went. The I was on a very tight times constraint, and it just it wasn't worth it to wait for it. Um. Central Park Crepes opens at Universal. That's all I need to know. It's just a headline. <laughs> right. Uh, SeaWorld pushes all ride openings back to 2021. Ooh, I meant to figure out what ride that meant. Uh, I can look it up. But... I'll do a quick Google. My mouse is be. Oh, Ben's doing a quick Google. I found it. What'd you find? Um, so they are delaying opening the new rides that they are constructing at SeaWorld. Um, that's going to be the Emperor in San Diego, the Icebreaker in Orlando, and the Iron Guazi in Tampa, and the Pantheon in Williamsburg. Got it. According to Wednesday's call, SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment net loss for the second quarter was about $105 million. That seems like that not a sucks. lot. Yeah, especially because I think Disney like, <laughs> lost like a couple billion. Did they really? Yeah. Their earnings per share are still positive, though. Wild. Anyway, so yeah, that's pretty sad. Um, Iron Gwazi is supposed to be really cool. <laughs> and I, I do want to ride. I remember being down there when they started construction, because Gwazi yeah. had just been closed. And they well, were I'm like, excited. This, I, rode, I'm, I wonder if I rode the Gwazi. Um, my friend who worked there at the time was like, this is coming. And we were like, I wish we could have ride the original one, but very excited. I really like hybrid coasters. Mm. I love them. Um, because I like that they can preserve the look of wooden roller coasters, which are such classic Americana, but yet they can give us this elevated experience that we now expect on roller coasters, you know? Yeah. Blend. Uh, it's Rocky Mountain Coasters makes most of them, <clears throat> if not all of them. I don't know, but it's it's a lot of them. And Rocky Mountain Coasters just does crazy stuff. They are not afraid to just like flip you upside down, but somehow they disobey physics. So you go up and even though you're upside down for like a second and a half, you never touch the seat or your shoulder red. Like it's crazy. And it flips back. I don't know how they do it. They have literal magicians working for them that figure these things out. That's awesome. Yeah, and like um, uh, the one at Six Flags in New England doesn't have over-the-shoulder restraint. It's just a lap bar, and it really? goes upside down. Like it's yeah. it's crazy. Where else was I? Was I that that did that? There was somewhere else. 
Oh no, it wasn't a hybrid coaster. It was just, there's one roller coaster at Busch Gardens that we realized that we just had a lap bar, but we went upside down and we were like, ever wonder what it felt like to be a Hot Wheels car? <laughs> that ride. <laughs> That's excellent. So wow, I'm excited now. I didn't know that Pantheon was coming to Williamsburg. That is actually a great looking roller coaster. We gotta go. Gotta do it. Um, I'm a huge fan of Busch Gardens Williamsburg. I love Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Some of the best rides. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's the news. We zoomed. That's news. We zoomed right through that. That was pretty good. All right. Um, so I guess we're gonna take a quick break for ads. Just one. Start one ad. <laughs> someday. Someday we'll, we'll get have right more. back to it. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with ScribbleScript Studio. ScribbleScript is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram, make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you, and if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. We're back after that lovely We're ad. Um, and today we are expanding on our journey of Mickey's Ten Commandments, and we're talking about commandment number three, which is organize the flow of people and ideas. Um, and Marty Sklar writes that the important point here is that great stories and great experiences have a logic and sequence that pays off for your guests, customers, or readers for the time and effort they have to put in. Uh, basically, make it make sense. That's that's the shorthand yeah. I got out of it. That makes um, sense to me. And the idea is just make whatever story you're trying to tell clear and understandable. Which I think is a policy for life. So, um, in the book One Little Spark by Marty Sklar, the mouse car, as we've talked about in the last couple episodes, um, the idea of there's a mouse car and a goof. The mouse car is the award for doing something very well and exceeding the expectation of that thing and the goof is doing something not so great which i think with this topic it would it was actually probably very hard to admit that you did something wrong because it's hmm. the idea of the process as opposed to the product you know what i mean um so the mouse car goes to indiana jones and the temple of the forbidden eye and uh damn it i agree <laughs> I love this ride and it's all about and like this whole concept is either about the exterior of the ride or the cue of the ride to get you to where 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 you're going I think at least um so like Indiana Jones starts next to the Jungle Cruise which already gives you jungle sounds and then the environment of this mysterious temple that you're going into it's a huge show mm -hmm. building, which means you're traversing through a whole bunch of inside that you don't know where you're going to end up. It's, it's an adventure as you're going through and it builds, it amps you up for the ride. Um, and the, there's, it's an interactive queue and there's also a pre-show that sets the tone of when this ride is taking place and when you're kind of transporting in the feeling of back in time. And I love a good queue. 
Um, and then also the ride itself is great. Like all mm -hmm. of it builds up and then it also doesn't disappoint because there, there are definitely some rides that the queue builds up this suspense or this excitement and then it kind of falls flat to me. What do you guys think about Indiana Jones? Ben, you've been on it, right? Like just a long time ago? I have. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of it. I mean, obviously when I remember, I didn't pay much attention to the queue because back when I was seven, I didn't care much, but I loved the ride. <laughs> um, obviously, I know now that not caring about a queue is a cardinal sin, but <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely does its job. I need to go see it again really soon. And I hope to. Mm. Shay, thoughts? Uh I, I love, this is, uh, honestly, I think it's my favorite ride. Um, it's, if, if not, a very close second to Flight of Passage, um, because it is just so epic. Like, the moment where you turn the corner and you are faced with the temple with the giant skull at the other end, like, every time I go around the corner, I'm just amazed by how massive this room is. You know, they're not trying, they're not, it's probably not as big as it looks because I'm sure they did a lot of smart things to make it look bigger, but like they, they are impressing you with just the sheer size of it. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the, the, the queue builds you up really, really well. You get all the information that you need, even if you just quickly walk through it. Um, and it's got all the little fun little nods for the Indiana Jones um, fans. And um, it's just so, and the, the, the music, like everything, everything about that ride is just, so well done <laughs> um yeah because they I'm also use john williams again like it was like the same thing when yep. they redid when they did star wars land they were like we need the guy we can't do this without mm -hmm. the guy mm -hmm. so it's just great amazing attention to detail insane because it was like it was a, it's a ride that like you're th you're finally throwing an ip an ip that's not even yours at the time into mm -hmm. Disneyland, not California Adventure, right. not Hollywood Studios, Disneyland into Adventureland. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's cr crazy, crazy that they pulled it off. Um, oh, yeah. And the, the goof, fantastic. on the other hand, is the Animal Kingdom, which most people think that it's like one of the greatest parks ever designed, and I somewhat agree. But one, they made a big old mistake in the beginning and um the the big mistake was that they obscured the destination around the corner along paths so the paths were very narrow and didn't leave a lot of room to see through them um and that yeah resulted in guests not travel like not exploring and not going down they wanted every moment to be an adventure and something new around every corner and it just guests didn't want to put that much effort in and like ben you've mentioned that like you're still exploring and finding new paths around animal kingdom oh yeah and actually most of my family for the longest time did not like animal kingdom because they kept getting lost like they couldn't find the exit so like never going back um which is awfully awful and if you just found a map you'd have been able to leave but <laughs> yeah um and that's the thing it, it that so many people have that's like mm -hmm. those it's funny because like a lot of times it's like disney elitists will say that animal kingdom is great and that, but like other people other than the fact that they like animals they don't think it's their favorite a lot of times they don't it'll be one that's skipped now it's pandora that draws it in but like it's a skipped mm -hmm. park mm -hmm. 
there were years that I didn't go to Animal Kingdom because it just wasn't super worth it to my family to go. Um, but the solution at Animal Kingdom was to widen the paths and provide little peekaboo moments so that you could see where you were going to end up without it, like without a reveal, more or less. Um, and they also expanded the immersion of the Animal Kingdom into the Animal Kingdom Lodge. So now if you if you like the adventure and the wild wonders of Animal Kingdom, you could stay in the extended Animal Kingdom at the lodge. Um, but there's actually a quote from uh, from Joe Rohde where he says that people are people and they're not always going to cooperate with your highfalutin concept. Um, mm. And I think that's a curse of Animal Kingdom all the time, but we've beat where the rivers of light to death on this one. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, rivers of light. Well, and I think it's really interesting because, you know, when I, when we were discussing Pandora um, a few months ago, one of the things that I complimented Pandora on was how they want you to get lost <laughs> and how it's a place that you're intended to go in and explore. And I think that um, having seen now that, that Marty Scalar says that getting lost in a park is considered a goof. So I'm like, so why is Pandora so successful? And I realize it's because even it, it's, it's, it's easy to get lost in Pandora, but it's even easier to find your way back because it, at worst, you're like 20 feet away from something recognizable. Plus, at every point in Pandora, all you have to do is look up and then you can find your way to wherever you're going because the floating mountains are always above you. So you always have, um, number seven, you always have a weenie that you can get to. And you can always track it's number, it. it's number four. That's the oh, next oh, one, Shay. Are we doing weenie next month? Oh, yes, I love weenie. I was just gonna say it seems it like I was gonna <laughs> just say that one and two are so very closely related, and it seems that three and four are also extremely closely related. Mm -hmm. Of mm -hmm. of this idea of make sure your concept makes sense, and it could have been avoided with a weenie. <laughs> yep. Yep. But um, that's number four. That's next month, Shay. Get pumped. <laughs> I'm so excited for weenies. Um, so excited yep. for me. And then, so something really interesting, we, we, we don't talk much about um, Shanghai, uh, or at least I haven't heard you talk much about Shanghai because none of us have been there. Um, <clears throat> but right. I know, amazing. Park. I know that we, yeah, oh my gosh, it's, I mean, I want to go to all the parks. There are, I haven't been to any of the Asian parks yet, but I really want to go. Um, but Shanghai was really successful in their discovery trails. Um, so you may remember in the ancient days of 2015, at that time, um, the cool hip popular thing were those, uh, giant like ropes courses around here. They were called monkey trunks. There was like four. Oh, or five yep. Yeah. Oh, Tamworth. Yep. I think there's, I think the one in Kittery might still be there. I don't know. I passed one. Um, there. yep. There's take flight up there. Okay. I took an entire but, high school gym class on high ropes courses. It's my oh, senior yeah? gym course. It was great. Those were huge back in 15, and, and they were equally huge um, over in, in Asia. And so Disney was like, how can Disney do a high ropes course? And they, they figured it out. They did some engineering magic where actually the whole, the whole time you're exploring it, because that's the point of the Discovery Trails, is you, uh, you need to explore but you can never get lost because you're always attached to a to a rail. 
But what's crazy is that every like, um, every like, uh, what's the word? Um, thing, uh, what's the word? Help me. The challenge, challenge in the right trial. Every trial that you go through, there's a hard, uh, there's an easy, medium, and a hard mode. And you aren't attached to the same difficulty everywhere you go. You can really easily swap back and forth between each difficulty every time. And so we, we figured it out. We just, you attach people to a trail. <laughs> you say, you can get lost, just don't get too far away. That way we keep that control. We can pull them back whenever we need to. So you get that sense of, of danger, that sense of discovery, but there's no risk of you actually losing interest. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you heard that phrase? F fun is the possibility of death, but you don't die. Something like that. Um, yeah, that's, that's how you make fun is you make people think they're going to die and then say, Nope, you're not going to die. Um, that's not a Disney. Quote. I love that's that. just, hold on. That's just life advice. Um, that's actually that, that entire idea is how I've overcome my fear of heights and, <laughs> of when I know I cannot die, I am no longer afraid of heights. <laughs> Amazing. That's, that's and now I have no issues on very tall ladders, even though I could die, but it's fine. I ignore it. Um, but since we're, since we're on that part of the world and we're talking about the sort of linear necessity of, of storytelling, um, I, I have no proof that this actually exists other than I was talking to one of the writers of Shanghai Disneyland and he said that he had this idea and he said that they ended up it ended up getting produced where as you're walking into Camp Discovery um, the closer you are to the front of the land so the closer you are to like the hub um, the more modern the music sounds, the more instruments that you hear that are, you know, like keyboards and electric guitars. And then the further back you get, they swap out instruments in the soundtrack. So you hear the same song the whole way back, but the instruments change. So by the time you get to the back of, of Discovery, yeah, Camp Discovery, <laughs> Becca's having a reaction, it's wonderful. Um, you're listening to like all drums and just like xylophones and just crazy percussion stuff. Um, I and that, love that. Well, and that's that's how you tell a story in a linear fashion without making somebody read a sentence. You know, you you make you make them tell their own story internally by just changing the soundtrack. It's amazing. And that's how you communicate without a language barrier. Also, like mm -hmm. I could go to that like because there's a lot of things that like I can't understand language over over in Shanghai. I don't I don't speak the language, but I would understand that this place is supposed to be feeling older as I move back. And it just, music, music. <laughs> I love music a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. Have you guys had like a music centric episode? No, and we should. We should. I mean, we talked about. <laughs> No, we've hit many other uh, things. We've hit visual when we talked about force perspective. We've hit, uh, what's it called? Smells. We should do sound one, Ben. Yeah. Love oh. it. I'd be totally down. Let's add that. Then we'll do a snacks episode. <laughs> snacks, yeah. And then we'll do a touch one, but you can't touch anything right now because it's COVID. Sure season. can't, buddy. Um. <laughs> 
touch things in this economy? Not allowed. Um, <laughs> I really like this little sidebar. You're going to rocket us into it. Because um, you're absolutely right. None of these places fit where they are in. And we'll, let's start with Hollywood Studios. What's going okay. on over there, buddy? So this this is this is kind of a goof. Uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird things going on with Disney's Hollywood Studios, and um, I, I definitely overheard a conversation that I probably can't tell you about. Which is so what you guys may or may not know is that the the imagine you know how Joe Rohde is like the guy behind um, uh, Animal Kingdom. So yes. the guy who was behind Disney's Hollywood Studios is Bob Weiss. And Bob Weiss is currently running Imagineering. Um, and uh, I, the question on everyone's mind, and, and it's, it's also quite prevalent inside of Imagineering, is like, what is the story of Hollywood Studios now? When it was built, it was, this is a working studio. And at the time, it was. We shot a couple movies there. We animated three movies there. Um, and so we're going to bring in the audience. We're going to have them look at the movies and we're going to let them ride a couple of rides that are movie related and then send them to one of the other parks. Um, and nowadays it's like, and it was supposed to be what? these like movie sets as well. So it was like, you walk in and an homage to the golden age and this is a movie mm-hmm. set, but yeah. Yeah. What's happening so, now? You know, the, well, so I know what Bob Weiss has said, and I'm I'm not going to repeat it because I probably shouldn't because it's not like an official statement that we've made yet. But mm-hmm. what I will say is that Imagineering knows what the story is nowadays. What I am going to tell you is my my theory, sort of about what the story of of Hollywood Studios is now, which is you walk into the door, and um, this 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 is official is that when you walk into the door, you are in the first golden age of Hollywood, which is the 20s and 30s, and then you go down to the end of, of Hollywood Boulevard, you take a right onto Sunset Boulevard, and you're in the second golden age, which is the 40s. Um, so if you walk down Sunset Boulevard, you'll look around, you'll actually see a bunch of references to World War II. Um, and in my mind, that area plus the animation courtyard is where we make the movies, and then the rest of Hollywood Studios are the movies that we've made. So when you're in the first sort of two and a half areas of Hollywood studios, that's where you're sort of learning about making a movie. And then you actually go into these worlds on your own, but there are still, there are just issues uh, in Hollywood studios. Now that the first two areas I think are really, really well told, really beautiful. Everything fits together really well, but then. Um, I would like to the biggest counter a- with rock and roller coaster. Oh yeah. You don't like that. It's there. Um, it just, uh, you're saying that everything is perfectly pulled, but you're forgetting that this fucking ride from the 1990-whatever uh, showed yeah. up and accepted to be truth that it belongs where it is. And actually, and now that you Sunset Boulevard, rock and roll kind of fit hand in hand. Just saying. Now, now that you've mentioned it, um, you know what's now immediately behind Rock and Roller Coaster is Which the, I you know, didn't, major- but yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Rock and Roller Coaster doesn't belong so well. Um, I know that, like, there would be there would be easy ways to tie um, G-Force records together into like the 1940s persona, but you're right, it has it doesn't belong there at all. Man, well, okay. So Hollywood I think it's Boulevard. Partly the name 
of GeForce Records. I think if you gave it a better Gilded Age name, but still had it mm-hmm. uh, cemented in the 90s, we'd be okay. But. Yeah. But I mean, Hollywood, so Hollywood Boulevard, and then going all the way down to um, the Chinese theater, because even though Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is in there now, we are maintaining the fact that you are going into the Chinese theater in order to see a movie called Perfect Picnic. And then, spoiler alert, when you're in there, you get pulled into the Perfect Picnic um, cartoon, and then the ride happens. So that but still makes Mickey sense. Mickey and Minnie were characters yeah. that also existed in the 1920s and 30s. Like, yep. it, it fits. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. <laughs> and if you ignore the left side of the street, Sunset Boulevard also makes sense. Um, <laughs> But then, so Disneyland and Hollywood Studios have the same Star Wars issue. Um, It is much more obvious in Disneyland because at least in Hollywood Studios, okay, you get onto Star Tours, you have this weird non-canon Star Wars experience that's just sort of the Star Wars mixtape. It's fun. I like Alice and Janney as much as the next guy. And then you get off the ride and you can see Batu from a distance. Like, oh, okay, there it is. I'm just gonna ignore the the brewery on my right and the Muppets. Muppet Show on my left, and go into Batu. Great. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. There's there's, ugh, you know, you can kind of search that. But man, uh, Disneyland <laughs> Star Tours is literally almost as far away from Batu as you can get without going all the way to Space Mountain. Um, and star tours makes sense star tour i'm not upset at where star tours is star tours makes perfect sense it's yeah. galaxy's edge that is the problem i agree with that yeah galaxy's edge is just such an ip heavy <laughs> like at least at least indiana jones is like oh here's our friend indiana jones who's visiting Adventureland, and it's like Star Wars is, okay, we're going to take a piece of a planet and slam it down right behind Fantasmic. Like, that's, yeah, that's, it's a huge mental block that you just sort of, you you go from these two to three different generic, and generic's a bad word to use, but, you know, it's cowboy land and happy animal land, and you go into Star Wars. It's, mm. it's hard to get over. It is. I don't know. You yeah. guys have any thoughts on that? No, I agree with you 100%. Actually, it just it, it does seem very out of place. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, and I, you know, I know they had to build it there because there's definitely not enough room over at California Adventure, but maybe I don't know, guys. Did you really need two Star Wars lands in America? I'm. I'm really curious about that that whole decision well, process. Well, it's also it's also going to be really interesting for me as a fan of uh, the Muppets as a brand. Is uh, once I knew that they were throwing Galaxy's Edge behind the Muppets when Star Tours already existed where it was, I was like, "Ooh, that's not a good sign for for the Muppets at all of of that entire section of the park." Um, rumors and everything but it's like for me i was like Mm-mm, that ain't gonna stay very much longer especially because the muppets can't hold their footing anymore like no matter what they try to do to them to get them more relevant again they're having a hard time i did watch muppets now hmm. um it wasn't 
as charming as I wanted it to be, but the episode with Danny Trejo, pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have yeah, episode like, three now. I I actually think before we see Muppets go away, I think we'll actually see Star Tours go away. Really? Yeah. Um, well, so they've already proven in Tokyo that they, not Tokyo, Hong Kong, that they can convert Star Tours into a different IP because it's now the Iron Man experience over there. True. Yeah. Um, so they have a really, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as flipping a switch, but they don't need a new ride system. Plus, ha- did either of you go on Star Tours since uh, Rise of Skywalker? Mm-hmm. Mm, I, I must have. Um, that, no, I haven't. That, just kidding. <laughs> that new scene for Rise of Skywalker seemed really final. Like, it seemed really final. They, really? they do a bunch of, oh yeah, they do a bunch of callbacks. Like, when you land the three Stooges robots who clean the window, they're there, they're waving at you. C-3PO turns to you, and I don't remember what he says, but it's like, I just want you all to know that it's been an honor working for you, and I hope everyone has a really good you know, trip or whatever. Like, just the whole the whole feeling of it doesn't feel like the typical, come back and write us again. It feels like a this is it guys um so i, I think I, I just kind of attributed that to it being the last movie it could be and it could but, be that they don't intend to add any more scenes as well but i mean especially since the the whole star wars movie ip is kind of on hold at the moment um that might be true but i really i think especially with star wars having such a presence in both of these parks that is really popular i think this is the time to just swap yeah and that that section of the park is overdue for refurb anyway um because i love indiana jones as much as the next but it's outdated fun like we've as a society we've moved past the need for stunt shows um and Star Tours probably doesn't have as much rideability anymore now that there's two other fun Star Wars rides over there. One of them being that ride on steroids. <laughs> and <laughs> then whatever is in the freaking Sounds Dangerous stage, because I'll never not call it the Sounds Dangerous stage. I don't even know what's there. It's like some form of, it's also a Star Wars thing that we don't need anymore. No, that, that got swapped out. It's, uh, it's a Mickey Shorts theater now. So you can go in and watch Mickey Shorts. See? Already. We're already moving past the need for Star Wars in that part of the park. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I love Star Wars. Disney, Disneyland's Tomorrowland, I mean, that, that, needs, that needs a complete demo, even more so than, than Disney World's, because Disneyland's Tomorrowland is all over the map. And that was something we wanted to talk about, was like, what's the story of the Tomorrowlands now? So, um, the Tomorrowland in... Um, Disney World's Tomorrowland has a good story going for it right now, which is it is a like it's a convention center. So, um, for a long time, uh, on the left you had okay, uh, XS Tech is going to show us their new teleportation technology. What could possibly go wrong? And then that got swapped out for the I think it's I think it was 
an official like presentation by the 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 planet federation yeah for their whole like we're gonna sh we're we're training people to be guards in our prison system now come on over and you can see what it's like and then on the other side of the path is monsters inc where they are bring they are literally the the company monsters inc is bringing you in to show you their technology so it makes sense this is sort of a world's fair going on right now um but it's just in tomorrowland and then you know you've got whatever whoever's doing the cars on one side and then space mountain has always sort of had a delivery company theme to it um, yeah and so it makes a lot of sense that all these different companies Buzz are showing Light up Buzz Lightyear makes sense <laughs> it's it's a the it's a by and large progress um, yeah <laughs> which wasn't that an actual world's fair attraction yes it was I mean, yes. that just fits then. Yes. It just was. <laughs> they just took one and never let it go. <laughs> um, I love that ride so much. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. But then but then you look at... So, you know, Tomorrowland at Disney World is is okay. It's got a, a decent enough story that you can, near, you can fit nearly everything into. And it has an aesthetic that starts the front and works its way back, even though it's slowly being painted its way into an Apple store. But in Disneyland... What what is going on in in Disneyland right now? Um, because they I spent don't, the least amount of time to... over there. Well, so it it doesn't it doesn't have the sort of convention center World's Fair feel. It has um uh guy Buzz Lightyear on the left, Star Tours on or Star Tours on the right. So there's an IP. And you go to the back, you have Space Mountain, which changes to a different version of Space Mountain every three months. So is it the Star Wars Space Mountain? Is it the Ghost Space Mountain? Is it the regular Space Mountain? Um, and there's no consistent story there. And then at least their, their version of Tomorrowland Speedway, which is called Autopia, is 10 times better than the one we have at, at Disney World. And that has a sponsor. I think Chevy sponsors it now. Um, and so that at least looks nice. But then you've got the submarines. Like it's all, it's it 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 doesn't have a story because it's just it's taken a potpourri of other stories and put it together and there's no reason for them all to be there, um, and it's it's really problematic especially from a, I mean honestly, it's this this thing is is what uh, organized the flow of people and ideas. So first of all, the flow of ideas in Tomorrowland and Disneyland is disorganized it's crazy um but then also and this is something you guys probably don't think about the flow of people in tomorrowland is really bad too because there is nowhere to stand because they have the people mover track running down the middle of tomorrowland the people mover track that hasn't been open for 25 years like Thanks, it's Arthur. and it's it, it's got pinch points all over the place i don't know we talked about that a month ago but like yeah so who who knows what they're going to do with it i i heard rumors and then the rumors went away and i who knows what they're going to do now because nobody has the money right now but like tomorrowland and disneyland needs some serious story work i would love they, for them to to completely overhaul it and go go to the discovery land idea instead of tomorrowland yeah. Um, I don't think it would happen because it's the OG Tomorrowland, but 
even if you called it mm -hmm. just Tomorrowland with the Discovery Land overlay idea, I think mm -hmm. it'd work. But yeah, no, Tomorrowland, what's going on? Don't know. What is going on? Um, and I wanted to talk about how Universal is getting a lot better at Disney in my opinion on these ideas um and i i said that it could be because they're constantly they're not constantly expanding like disney is it feels like disney disney's constantly competing for the cash grab and universal's kind of just slowly picking away at it um but a a, a lot of like examples that i have like really hit at home of like this is the experience and this is the story you're telling to the point where uh, my first example is Skull Island Reign of Kong over at over at Universal Orlando Islands of Adventure. If you don't sit in that queue, you're toast. You don't know what you don't get the full story. You you have no idea what's going on. Cause I the first time I went on it, I used my express pass and just jumped the little little walking portion of the line because the line was only like 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, that was a fun ride. That was great. But like I probably don't have to go on it again. But my parents came down at Christmas and my mom really wanted to go on it because it was a new ride that she hadn't been on. And I sat through the queue and I went, oh, oh, this is, that's this person in this ride and that's how that connects there and this is that because it just goes through. You're also coming from, if you go the right way to get there, you're coming from Jurassic Park and you're going into Skull Island, which is already that, that like, mysterious land that we don't know about moving into a new mysterious land that we don't know about and it just it tells the story and it, it has live scare actors in the queue what <laughs> who does that <laughs> and it's it's just great and same thing with jurassic park if you um i mean like the idea of jurassic park is it's supposed to be a dinosaur amusement park right that's what it's supposed to be so even the tacky little games on the side of the roadway don't bother me because that's where where we are we're in Jurassic Park um but the river adventure the trek through the queue is beautiful well do you do you know the like the story of the ride like not not the not how it got built and all that but like the story of of how this ride ended up being placed um, inside of a I'm saying this wrong so this over do you know like the overarching narrative of that ride do you know what's going on? Because it's it's not just it's not just a river trip through Jurassic Park. Do you know what it is? Probably. Remind me, because you'll probably know better than me. It's, it's, it's explained in the queue um, with some of the videos from uh, John, the the, the guy, um, where he tells you that after the failure of Jurassic Park, his next venture was to make smaller. Uh, dinosaur paddocks and smaller dinosaur parks that everybody could get to and he got together with Universal to bring a small version of Jurassic Park here so everyone could see and don't worry it's going to be totally safe this time so I love that when rides go out of their way to be like yeah we're in a theme park now that's cool <laughs> this this is a theme park ride inside <laughs> of a theme park Universal okay. uses that a lot Yes. <laughs> they use that, like the Shrek as well. Shrek is like, here we are in Universal Studios and we're making fun of ourselves. Hooray. They, they use that trope of Somebody knowing. say Dino Land. <laughs> like, no, like 
Universal is to me a very self-aware park comparative to Disney of they're like we know we're not Disney we know you could have gone there but we're cool too come hang (laughs) um and uh I am excited for our monthly fight Shay on Diagon Alley let's talk about Diagon Alley um well no I I, I don't think we're gonna fight over this because I I love Diagon Alley. I just don't think it belongs in Universal Studios, Orlando. Like, because the story of the of that park. So yeah, the, back up. Hogsmeade makes perfect sense in islands because the story of that park is each island is a different place that you travel to, and each one is a different adventure that you go on. Whereas the story in the other park in in Universal Studios is here's a bunch of movies that we're making and here's a bunch of things. So the story of Rip Red Rocket is we're going to shoot a music video. The story of the mummy is this is a haunted movie set. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I think at some point we're going to talk about Men in Black. Men in Black, Simpsons, and Diagon Alley are inconsistent with the story of Universal Studios because there is not a Harry Potter movie being shot. That's not the story. The story is this is Diagon Alley. More importantly, this is a street of London that you're going to walk through. And and Men in Black can almost be justified because it's like, here's an exhibit, and I don't know what Simpsons is doing. It's great, and I love it, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit. Anyway, go for it, Rebecca. What do you got? I might argue that the other rides do no longer fit instead of those rides. Those newer rides don't fit. Mm. Because so originally and it, and it still is a working set there's many things that are still shot at universal studios all the time um the original concept of universal studios is you're right it was it these are a place where we record we film movies and the rides you go on fit into the idea of we are filming a movie you're walking on set especially like earthquake used to do the same thing um and twister was the same um and all these rides were supposed to be you're walking on set Uh, Ben is yelling at his cat. It's cute. Um, But now Universal's changed their mission statement. And Universal's mission is to ride the ride or ride the movies. It used to be, we're going to show you how movies are made. Now it is ride the movies. So perhaps to counter the original rides and the original concept no longer fits what they're going for now. Hmm. That's a good point. Cause you're right that really now there's only three rides that fit into that original. It's it's Rip Ride, Mummy, and um uh the talk show ride. Um Jimmy Fallon. Fallon, the Fallon ride. Um yeah, you're right. All the other ones though are their own thing. Well, geez. Because even then, even then all of the other ones have these insane facades too, because you have you have the Simpsons land, which is the big old facade of Krusty land. You have the Men in Black building, which is the Men in Black headquarters building. Then you have Diagon Alley, which you enter from the street on, in London. And even, even I hate it, but I, it's there, even the Fast and the Furious has the new facade where it is you're walking into their garage. So, <laughs> poor Ben and his cat. I don't remember what I was saying, and we had to take a quick, quick reset. So I guess that's all we got on that. Um, let's talk about Halloween as a concept, shall we? Let us let us do that. 
Who's going to start? And just, <laughs> I, I, you can start. Okay. I think you, you have a, a thesis that you want to accomplish, so. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, um, uh, haunts, haunts are very interesting to me because uh, in a lot of ways, they have the, the biggest opportunity for um, incredibly good linear storytelling. And most of the time, they kind of fall flat. Um, and what I really wanted to talk about was um, how in, in Halloween, probably like one of the best examples of like a good linear haunt um, is some of the stuff that comes out of Knott's Berry Farm because their haunts tend to have a beginning to end story. Whereas a lot of haunts nowadays are just like, we're going to scare you here. We're going to scare you here. And like, I don't, one of my favorite haunts last year at, at um, Halloween Horror Nights was Yeti because it was super pretty and it was really cold and it felt really nice. Um, but there was no, there was no story. You just, you walked in <laughs> Uh, you were scared by a bunch of yetis, and then you left. But there are some haunts that are really good at telling a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, there was one at um, Six Flags Magic Mountain, believe it or not, which is one of my least favorite haunts in general, or like one of my least favorite Halloween celebrations, but they had a zombie um a, a zombie maze that's at least what we call them on the, on the west coast is a maze is just a reference to a haunted house that you walk around inside of but they have a maze mm -hmm. but it's a maze it is a maze okay um but they have a maze that is zombie themed and what's really cool is the scare actors have different zones and depending on which zone they're in their zombie makeup gets heavier so in the beginning of the haunt the, they just look like regular normal people. And then as you get a little bit more in, they have a little bit more going on. They have more pustules or whatever. And then when you get to the end, it's just like caked on. Blah. And then um, the, my favorite haunt at Halloween Horror Nights last year was um, uh, Graveyard Games. Now, have Rebecca, did you ever go into Graveyard Games when you were there? Because it's... I'm a real bad pass holder um, in which I end up being, uh, I end up getting there very late and then I only have the one ticket because I only invested in the pass, not the, the frequent fear. Mm -hmm. And I only go through like one or two houses because mm -hmm. the lines get really long. I go through all the scare zones and I do all the shows, but I, I've only gotten to, unfortunately, the like A-list haunts of like my first season I did scary tales and then I did stranger things on Will Byers day not even on during oh. horror nights they opened up the haunt and then um I did ghostbusters last year cuz that was we got there very late after doing the halloween party the day before yeah. so <laughs> so um so I didn't so tell me about it the graveyard games uh it's original ip um and it's super cool because the story is tight you are introduced to the concept in the queue where they, they project uh, a phone screen onto the wall where you can see text messages that are being sent between a bunch of different people about like hey we're gonna go to the graveyard won't that be cool and then it switches over to someone else's conversation like 
Oh, this person's such a ditch, and then switches over. Okay, I'll meet you there at six, switches over. Oh, totally awesome, bring the booze, switches over. Uh, I just wish that you were nicer to me. So you just, you see all these different views of all these different characters, and you're introduced through a couple different, like, phone videos that pop up on this projection to, like, your two main characters, which are definitely, like, the, the jock and the cheerleader. And you figure out the story that there's some high school kids who are going to go to the graveyard and they're going to desecrate it because they're high school kids. Won't that be fun? And then you walk into the first room and you immediately meet the jock on your left. And he is very scared because they have, you see the thing that they desecrated. It's like a gravestone. And he is very scared of monsters. And then like in the next room, you meet the cheerleader. And the cheerleader is also very scared. And then like most haunts, you know, it takes four minutes or whatever to walk through. And these two characters keep popping up, uh, played by different scare actors, but they're, they're done up enough so you can, like, tell which, who they're playing. Um, and Lizard brain knows. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they get more scared. You see them running away from things. They pop up as dummies, whatever. And then at the very end, you, um, you see on your, on, I'm trying to remember how it is, there's like, on your left, you see the corpse of the jock, and then like, up above you, you see the corpse of the cheerleader, they're both holding their phones, the phones have been like, cracked, and they look awful, and then you walk into darkness, you walk into a pitch black room, you walk out the other side, there is a crazy looking like, um, weeping angel style statue in front of you and then something scares you from the side um, and then you're out. And that's when you realize that you are one of the teenagers that went to the graveyard to desecrate things and you have been killed as well. And, you, and that's what wow. the darkness was all about is that your character died so they sent you into hell or whatever the afterlife is. So like that's solid that is solid storytelling you get introduced to your characters your characters keep popping up and then it's revealed at the end that you are a character and like that's sort of the point of a lot of themed entertainment is making sure that like the audience is cast as a character but like this time they point like you are one of those terrible teenagers and you died so good job and they actually do that at a lot of um horror nights uh crushing depths or no depths of fear they did a very similar thing where, yeah where you go into this like sub base and you get attacked by these weird shark things and at the end you you also die um but yeah uh totally awesome really good linear beginning to end um and then but then there's like there are the not so good <laughs> The, the bad Halloween's uh, horror haunts, whatever. So some of Hollywood Horror Nights, uh, I'll be honest with you, last year Stranger Things was totally disconnected because they were trying to cram two seasons of TV into a four-minute walking experience. And I didn't see season two oh, or yeah? three Stranger Things. I was going to, but I hadn't finished season three, so I didn't want to immediately. Like, I was like, if the line is less than X amount, I will go. But if it's not, then I'm not going. So the first one was insane. That's what I heard. I remember going through it without having seen the first season and coming out saying, I need to watch Stranger Things to see what I just missed. But I've heard the second one was not so great. No, and I don't, I don't know what... I don't know what 
drove them to try and squish two seasons of TV into one walkthrough attraction. Like trying to do one season was hard enough. Five minutes. Especially since the second season is just sort of, wasn't very good. And a lot of people agree with that. The third season there had a lot of really awesome imagery to use. um, And they didn't do it. Uh, And then like Six Flags, I, I, I cited one of their haunts as a really good example, but most of their other haunts are just kind of scary <laughs> you got the scare actors i remember that, i don't know what your coping mechanism is inside of haunted houses but mine is to just like ask the scare actors how they're doing <laughs> and then um w- w- one of one of the interesting things that i found about going to six flags is that i i began to realize once i started going into these haunts i'm like what do these scare actors what are the characters that they're playing what do they want because they all seem to yell, go away. Mm. <laughs> that's like, that's the, that's the, the, especially in the, the local, like, go away, get out, that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay. So I just started asking their characters, what do you want? <laughs> like, what does your character want me to do? Yeah. It really caught a lot of them off guard and a lot of them couldn't answer. And one of them even leaned up to me and said, I don't actually know. <laughs> Great, scary dude. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, no, that was a, that's a thing that, I mean, I firsthand experienced cannabis developmental process on their haunts. Yeah. Um, and that it's not even necessary, not, not even necessarily, uh, proprietary stuff either. Um, some of their haunts do much better than others based on concept. Um, and then others are just the, the people that are in the house as well. Cause there's a running joke that, the people in that house fit that house and um like you are cast in you're either a member of the hotel or the clown house or the village or the 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 nuclear nuclear bomb haunt or the culling which is the cult so it's (laughs) it's like it's just there's very certain types of people and i think the clown house does the best job but it's also the easiest one in my opinion clown houses are fairly easy grabs of being able to explain what's going on there um the canopy hotel was actually an insane and wonderfully done um and they won't be doing it this year but this year was also the year for them to change it over anyway because they change every six years um but the hotel went through two different iterations it used to be um zombies originally was this hotel and the, a couple years ago they switched it over to um burn like a burn situation as the hotel burned down and the people that were there were victims that were were burnt and it was it was really cool to see the makeup designs of all of these haunts to actually let you know what the story was going was doing but those were like the teeny tiny little bits facility was also a good one that was their new one this year and it was based on um a nuclear nuclear reactor explosion and that one had a beginning a middle and an end and they also had a really cool effect in there and that's not about the story but the effect was like fishing line that hit like hit you after the nuclear explosion room so that it felt like your body was doing weird things that was cool i hated walking through it but it was cool that's that would be a good thing to talk about in your touch episode is that haunts seem to be one of the only places in theme parks where things actually touch you. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, but I think I agree with you on like a local situation is like local places want to do 
haunts and local places can't afford to do them well usually Mm -hmm. because the the thing isn't isn't even like in their production quality it's usually in their acting their acting usually falls yeah pretty short because they don't have the time to 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 train and hire actors they have people who want to be scary but they are not necessarily actors do you know what i mean yes um i I want locals to be better at scary (laughs) And there is, the, and they they should be trained because you know you don't have to have a, a BFA in acting to be a good scare actor, but there is a lot of techniques to be used to keep yourself safe and other people safe, and also to be scary because just yelling "get out" <laughs> isn't very good. And there's also like proper ways to to yell. Um, and I I remember one of the reasons that I I loved going to Six Flags. Um, mostly because it was convenient to where I lived in California, but also because the scare actors, so like the way that Six Flags handled their scare zones is that there was always like two or three sort of walk around characters that you could like meet. So like there was a a crazy robot dude in the steampunk area and you could like meet and greet with this guy. He wasn't there to scare you. He was there to interact with you. And I love that as well. And I, and um, a local place that, that isn't here anymore because it was at that defunct, um, water park over by Epping um but one of the things I loved about that is their big central area again was just full of people in scary makeup that were just there to talk to you and tell you about who they were their haunts were kind of meh but like that's it's it's that connection it's it's the storytelling that you just get through conversation that I think is missed a lot in these things which is why sleep no more is so popular right mm-hmm. yeah because everybody is playing a character mm-hmm um um like to the point i have a friend she is ivy at sleep no more she works in the um in the lounge upstairs mm -hmm. and she would tell me all these stories and people know her as ivy on the streets people will see her and she's ivy and she's in character all the time and it's insane People will come and request her or know her, like frequenters. It's, it's, ugh. I sleep no more. <laughs> there was a whole, well, one day we'll get into the immersion thing. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out some other mm. um, uh, commandment to, to talk about the immersion and sleep no more specifically. But mm. I think um, the, the the last sort of transition that I wanted to make was was the the discussion of of one, another reason and it's, it is money based like Becca was saying that that these local haunts tend to have such discombobulous stories is because mm-hmm. um, local haunts are just like uh, we're gonna have a scary thing and okay we've got a farm farms are like halfway to being scary if you just don't take care of them great and so we're gonna uh, we're gonna run down. Arms are scary. Yeah, right. We're gonna. I hate manual throw labor. They're very terrifying. Like <laughs> things around some scarecrows, and you know, we'll just we'll we'll hit a bunch of yard sales over the summer and grab some scary looking things. So this will be super cheap, and that's great and all, but that's not how you make a story. And like, um, you need to you need to plan ahead. You need to write your story, and you and you, you can't. You can't fit your story. You, you can't fit a story to uh, a collection of stuff. 
you need to make the story first and then specifically buy your collection of things. And so the, the, the story of me and the animatronic dinosaur was one of the first big haunted houses I ever went to was in Ohio. It was called the Haunted Hoochie. And um, it's marketed as like- Terrible name. I, but, but like, it, it is crazy popular. I think it's the most popular haunt in Ohio. Um, it's advertised all over the place as like the biggest haunt in the Midwest or something like that. And um, when I was there in the moment, it was super cool. In retrospect, it was not so great because again, it was just obviously like they had this big haunted house and every year they bought a few more things to add into it. So here I am walking through this giant haunted house and we enter into a big, huge, gigantic room. And I look around kind of over my shoulder and suddenly a giant animatronic robot dinosaur is charging at me. I'm like, what? This is so cool. But here's the thing. I can't tell you what the story of that haunted house was, and, but I'm pretty sure that a giant animatronic robot dinosaur did not belong inside of that house. And so these, things, <laughs> these things are cool, but they don't lend themselves to the story. You know, it was just a bunch of scary things in one place. And, and maybe it's just because we're we're our critical selves and you know maybe this goes back to the first commandment in in rural new hampshire maybe all people want are scary things and maybe that's good enough and that's great um but why shouldn't we strive for something a little bit better you know mm. um that would be interesting to see if if some some local place around here builds a haunted house with like a firm story if they do any better or if, or if there's some if they have any groundswell or something because I, I i'm probably just making a blanket statement here but i can't think of a single haunt around here that has a story more than this is a scary place it's more like a concept yeah. than a story mm -hmm. it's like this is the overarching idea like i i still i was going to be in a haunted house last fall and i still can't tell you exactly what was going on in it I'm sure if I did it for more than one week, I would have come up with a very elaborate grandeur of why I was there. <laughs> but mm -hmm. couldn't tell well, you I mean, why I was there. That's our job as actors. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it, if the storytelling just isn't there to begin with, you can only do so much. Right. Yeah. But and that was. Um, but I li I like that you transitioned into like here's a bunch of stuff and we made a thing out of it because we talked about this with Christian and the great humbug adventures, the original incarnation was just the ride company. And then we're like, we want a dark ride. And they were like, here's some stuff. And here's what we kind of can make for you. Sure. And then that's how they overhauled it. Cause they were like, we want a story. And we, they focused on the story. And I guess we get more into that in the video, mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's a success story, which is, yeah, the original version of it, they were just like, this is all the Christmas stuff we got lying around the park. And every time they'd cycle something out of the park, they'd throw it into the Humbug Adventure, and it didn't make it any better. I can speak from experience, having written on the version of it in 15. Like, I said it on this, on this podcast about a month ago. Like, it needed an overhaul, seriously. And the new one, we can all agree, is awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. It's great. And Christian himself said that, like, this is the new standard. We need to pick the rest of the park up to the same level as this ride. Which the park's great, and they don't have very far to go. But, like, still, why not right. elevate? No, the park was fantastic. Yeah. The UK Pavilion in Epcot 
has a linear storyline to it from the front of the pavilion all the way to the back. This is the story. The architecture is the history of English architecture. So the thing at the very front of the UK pavilion, the, the, the uh, Twinings T building, that is a replica of Anne Hathaway's house, not Anne Hathaway, the woman that we know today, Anne Hathaway, Shakespeare's wife. And then as you move backwards, um, it slowly but surely gets a little newer and a little newer. So you've got things like um, the, yeah, so the pavilion, it contains one building for each century. I wish I could have a list of specific um, buildings, but there's the Hampton Court Palace, which is at the front. There's the streets of the traditional English village, which is just behind Anne Hathaway's house. Um, you've got the, the gardens of the traditional English town, which is at the very back. So someone who is smarter than me and knows more about architecture can go in there and tell us exactly what each building represents. But you, you're, you're linear. That's the best part about this whole episode is that the, we, we've been speaking in a lot of ways about very li literal linear storytelling, but that's the joy of having a spatialized and realized environment. It doesn't have to be direct. You can, you can do the subtle things like the music mm -hmm. that we talked about or just the shift in architecture. Um, as long as you're telling a story, you know, everything that you have should tell a story. That's it. That's all. Yeah. Blanket statement. We can all mm -hmm. get behind that. Yeah. So that's all we got for today. Yeah. It's a pretty long episode, but I think yeah. it's well worth it as every single one of these is. Um, mm-hmm. So um, to save the formalities, because it's a very long episode, um, if you like this, make sure you subscribe. If you want more content from us, go over to patreon.com slash Q2Q and uh, pick a tier. They all come with some special stuff. We got um, outtakes uh, every other week-ish on these episodes. And we also have uh, the Q2Q Kitchen once you subscribe to the $15 or more tier where Ben makes Park Inspired mm -hmm. Things. And uh, subscribe sure to our do. YouTube and channel even where you can. Merch. Yes, we're slowly but surely getting some merch. And um, subscribe to our YouTube channel because we are about to have two or three, depending on what brunch is feeling, episodes of uh, some vlog action coming at you from the three of us, actually. All three of us are there at Santa's Village. So thanks for tuning in this week, and we will we'll be in your ears next week. Can't wait. See you later. Bye.